One of the most valuable aspects of this podcast has been to sit down and capture insights from leaders and leading companies in our blueberry industry. We've identified certain microclimates that align well with these new genetics that should allow us to produce supply with more certainty, with less complexity, and provide an opportunity for, for example, if necessary, mechanical harvesting. Today's AgroVision's Steve Magami joins me to talk about their company, its rapid growth, and his vision for the opportunity they see in driving international demand for blueberries. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Thanks to all of you who have already filled out our listener survey. This feedback is extremely important to the future of this show. And if you haven't had a chance, please do so over at ushbc.blueberry.org forward slash podcast. Again, that's ushbc.blueberry.org forward slash podcast. There's a link right at the top that says, please take our podcast listener survey. So it should be pretty easy Please, if you can, just take five minutes, and that would mean a lot to me and certainly to all of us who help put on this show. So I'm very excited to be joined today by another blueberry industry leader, Steve Magami of AgriVision. Steve and I will talk about their business and how they view global opportunities in blueberries and have him share his thoughts on where the industry is headed. AgriVision is a vertically integrated grower, packer, shipper, and a marketer of blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, and table grapes from Peru, Mexico, and Morocco. They export to established and emerging markets, including North America, the UK, Europe, China, Southeast Asia, and Central and South America, and continue to expand their growing and sales operations globally. Steve has led a career building companies and developing projects. He has generational roots in agriculture and has been active in agribusiness, land acquisition, water and infrastructure in Peru since 2007, where he co-founded his first Peruvian company sold to a $3 billion private equity firm, and later to British Petroleum. Steve, that's a lot, but we're glad you're here. Thanks for joining me on the business of blueberries. Casey, thanks for having me. Well, I did quite a bit of introduction. You have an incredible background that I want the listeners to kind of get to unpack with you today and understand, but maybe you could add some background in your own words. What led you to this industry that we're in, blueberries? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So I grew up in California, very close to uh, the citrus orchards uh, in Orange County. Uh, grew up in California around leadership in uh, a lot of leadership in farming, but also in innovation, branding, healthy food trends with a very healthy, active lifestyle. I grew up in a very kind of health conscious family and um, always had an interest in kind of solving challenges and and uh, very entrepreneurial and a business builder as a as a former private equity investor i was more of a business builder than a, a financial engineer and interestingly enough um, i saw this opportunity uh, originally in peru 
we think of it almost as the original spiritual home of, of uh, agrovision and uh, just saw this, these, these incredible advantages with the microclimates we had there and the, the labor pool and the water and, and um, large contiguous land opportunities that were difficult to really pull together. But long story short, um, have always enjoyed working with exceptional talent and individuals and identifying and developing kind of challenging opportunities to create large scale, long-term value. And it, it turns out that that has been <laughs> applied to the, to the berry industry now, right? So I founded the company several, a number of years back and thought that there was a, an opportunity to supply the Northern Hemisphere during the off season. And what I didn't realize was the berry you know, industry had a significant global opportunity that really became more clear as we delved deeper and kind of became um, more involved. So always wanted to do something impactful on a meaningful scale, saw an opportunity here. And here we are, we're building a generational company, Casey, and, and uh, focusing on, on leveraging tech and genetics. Looking forward to telling you all about it. So very much in the berry patch. And, and when you got started, just describe for us, what was the initial investment in terms of acreage? And then, you know, how has this progressed for you now? And how, how long has it taken to get where you're at? So maybe you could give us just kind of a, how have things scaled for you? Sure. Yeah. It's been a steep climb and a steep curve. We originally thought that we would develop a thousand hectares of blueberries in what we thought was one of the most unique locations globally. And what we've realized now as we're reaching 2,000 hectares of blueberries, we've realized that the, the global opportunity, if we continue to supply the level of quality and, and consistency and continue to, to develop the right varietals for the right markets, the opportunity is larger. So we expect to reach uh, 3,000 plus hectares in Peru. That was our original plan. We did not know if that would be entirely in, in berries, Casey. And it's turned out that that is now uh, a plan we're going to be reaching in, in just berries alone. And then, of course, we have table grapes, asparagus, avocados, but our core product continues to be blueberries. Uh, in Mexico, Morocco, we have uh, blueberries, uh, raspberries, and we're developing blackberry supply. Well, and I, and I think for you to be describing kind of the global opportunity, it's something at USHBC we talk about a lot because essentially I kind of liken it to the fact that, you know, the U.S., in its own right, has a playbook that has reflected on what a 365-day-a-year supply can do to a marketplace uh, that a lot of the world just doesn't enjoy. In some cases, you know, can't relate to a season uh, because they're not growing blueberries. And yet these are people and folks who, once exposed to the value and certainly the health benefits and the kinds of things that uh, the blueberry can bring to a diet or, or to a community who's not seen blueberries before, all of a sudden it can light its own fire. And I think, you know, we see those kind of maps, those heat maps of opportunity around the world, probably very similarly, where, you know, there's a lot of conversation in our industry about, well, you know, 200 million pounds, what were we going to do with it? You know, 500 million pounds, how are we going to do this? It's just, you know, when does supply start to exceed demand? So it's encouraging and it'd be encouraging to hear from you, you know, what's your vision of like, how does that fit in this issue of any farmer who's thinking about their product in the marketplace and when does supply start to exceed demand? But based on what we've seen in our own research and just as long as we keep growing and developing and marketing these uh, into these markets, where is that limit from your perspective? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, we see untapped growth potential globally. And what I mean by that is even in the most developed market in the U.S., we see a huge amount of potential to reach the level of consumption of, for example, strawberries, which is you know still multiples of the level of consumption of what we see in blueberries per person per capita. So I think there's, there's room there in terms of penetration and, and consumption. And then when you look to markets that are just taking off, I mean, France is just taking off. Asia, we see un, kind of unlimited, what feels like unlimited growth potential, again, for the right product. We don't think that there's unlimited growth potential for the wrong type of blueberry, the wrong varietals, et cetera. So for the right ones, we think there's enormous potential. And we think there's going to be a lot of replacement, Casey, in terms of in the market volumes where, you know, some of the supply that doesn't make sense as fresh will go out into frozen or processed and we'll see a replacement in terms of and a kind of a disruption, a continued disruption in terms of the varietals that take over the volume of fresh. And is that philosophy from your, or maybe theory from your perspective coming from what you've seen in other categories where this has occurred or or you just know that the varieties that are coming on are just going to be so much better that it's a competition within itself it's not a a mirroring of other commodities that have gone before us yeah so having kind of being from the largest market here in the world in the US and having had the benefit of eating in the market berries year round and again in the most developed market globally and then having production operations now globally with the newest, latest genetics and producing it in the right way for eating experience and for the consumer experience, it's it's a different product. I mean, we, we now say there's blueberries and there are blueberries. And so it's it's exciting. At the same time, we think that there are markets that will open up that we don't even know how deep the potential can be. I mean, India, parts of Asia that we just don't know how deep those markets can be. We, we don't know what varieties are going to make the most sense. But what we know is that these markets will, will consume the right varieties for those markets. These are massive opportunities for growers, for producers of the right product around the world, in our view. Take what we saw in cherries over many, many years and the consumption in China of cherries and take the growth rates, the staggering growth rates of supply of cherries into just China, for example, where the market just continued to consume and continues to consume, right? And so there are different examples I could bring up that we look at. We certainly study these different historical precedents and they are encouraging. And we work with exceptional breeders around the world that do an incredible job that spent their lives developing what today is truly exciting that the world doesn't know about. We see it on the front end, but consumers haven't really seen it. The surface is just being scratched. Yeah. Well, and and, and that goes to some of the things I think we've shared on the show before where you know, compared to table grapes, right, that have been being modified, you know, genetically for a thousand years. You know, we've been only really messing around with the commercialization for, well, commercialization for a hundred years, but the genetics itself 30-ish plus years, maybe, maybe certainly more, but now we're getting into this space where, you know, what you're describing is new genetics in the ground that, you know, folks haven't had a chance to really appreciate or experience. And, and when they do, it'll light its own fire of demand, appreciation for what's going on in blueberries. And that's certainly super exciting. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about how your plan 
is to capture that with these new genetics coming. But before we do, I want to take a quick break for our crop report. Many areas have wrapped up their peak season, but we've still got fruit coming from both Peru and Mexico. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on October 5th, 2022. Hello, this is Luis with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 39, which is the week ending on Sunday, October 2nd. Up until the end of week 39 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 285 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this overall volume, 53% has been shipped to the US, 29% to Europe, 16% to China, and 3% to other destinations. From the total volume ship, 13% have been organics. During week 39, a total of 25.7 million pounds were shipped. 47% of this volume was sent to the US with approximately 12 million pounds, which are expected to arrive the US market during the third and fourth week of October. 38% of the volume during week 39 was sent to Europe, 13% to China, and 2% to other destinations, including Canada, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dubai, El Salvador, Hong Kong, India, Panama, Thailand, and Taiwan. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here, Mario, with the Mexican Blueberry Report for week 39. During this week, Mexico exported a total of 655,000 pounds of fresh blueberries to the United States and another 24,000 pounds to other destinations. This means a total of 678,000 pounds of fresh blueberries to all the world. And from this volume, 1% was organic blueberries. It is a volume of 7,000 pounds. Our volume exportation grows 16% respect week 38. And in frozen blueberries, Mexico exported a total of 11,700 pounds, which is a decrease of 70% compared to previous week. That's all in my report. Thank you very much. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We have added a lot more features to this dashboard, including USDA shipping price and movement, retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales report, and much, much more. So make sure you check that out. Go to ushbc.org forward slash data. Well, let's get back to our conversation with Steve. Steve, a very important principle that that your company stands on is information and data. And certainly a lot of our focus with these new resources that have been provided by importers of record. And now we've got a couple other MOUs for the exporters and for the Canadian MOU, where these dollars are being contributed to help improve business intelligence generally so that you know we don't find ourselves driving into the ditch as an industry on just not being aware of essentially what you're talking about, which is there's a whole globe out there and this business is moving globally and it's not just about the United States, but obviously that's an important market. So maybe you could talk about your philosophy or your contribution to this investment in this way, but, you know, generally speaking, you know, your commitment to help improve these types of tools, resources, opportunities for the industry. Yeah. Well, so I think that 
we have always felt that sustainability was key. And that runs through the fabric of our organization globally. You know, we are kind of aiming to set new standards across not just environmental and, and social impact, but also across how we work with the leading technologists and the leading breeders in the world, how we help them roll out the best products for consumers, not necessarily the best products for producers, growers. And I say that as a grower, we certainly have a, an alignment with, with our fellow growers out there, but we also think very heavily from the standpoint of the consumer. And maybe that's just given how we come at this from with an, out, kind of an outsider's mindset. Well, and maybe talk a little bit about how that execution works in terms of, you talked about vertical integration, and I, and I just mentioned the Frutis Company, but you guys launched the Frutis Company as a marketing arm here in the United States that folks are getting to know. And uh, certainly I got the chance to get, come down there and meet, meet your team there. But talk a little bit about that relationship of, from AgriVision to the Frutist. And then recently you launched a press release describing a partnership with uh, Berry's Paradise. And so if you could fill in some of the gaps that maybe the audience isn't aware of, or at least for me, could be about me just understanding how it works. But it'd be great to just kind of hear from your perspective, what you're building and how this is all coming together for AgriVision. So the Fruitist is our wholly owned uh, U.S. sales platform that uh, sells all of our products uh, into North American retailers. And you know, we've been blessed to have a strong level of, of, of new commercial partnerships with top retailers who are interested in our products. And we have had a relationship at the same time with Barry's Paradise from Mexico, who has been a group that, that we've admired and thought highly of and has really kind of brought us a complementary window in terms of production, very complementary to what we do in Peru in terms of what they do in Mexico. And they're a significant player in Mexico. They're one of the leading and largest um, berry players in Mexico. And uh, we just felt that together we had a much stronger opportunity to deliver what our retailers needed. So we were able to kind of build out the capability of service that our retailers needed and flexibility that our retailers needed. And it's really exciting. It's proven to be... Um, a success and, and and there's a lot of excitement from the retailers that have now learned about what we're doing and what we're offering. And so for example, we're offering Sequoia blueberries year round to the US retailers. We're offering raspberries year round. We have a capability to turn on the right blackberries year round. We have some interesting genetics coming through on blackberries. And so together the combined current planted acreage is in excess of 10,000 acres you know, yielding 120 million pounds across the three berries from just Peru and Mexico. We are going to be developing new supply locally here in the U.S. with our latest genetics, Sequoia in particular, that we're very excited about uh, with some excellent partners here in the U.S. You're going to start farms or you're going to partner with farms? We're doing both. We're, we're primarily partnering with uh, leading growers here in the U.S., to expand in, in new genetics for the uh, domestic season to complement Peru and, and Mexico. Well, and the consumers are starting to see this decision that companies like yours are making. And one of the things that you mentioned was the Sequoia. And for those who aren't familiar with that, you know, that's a, a program that you can provide more information on, but maybe share a little bit about 
that partnership or, or how you see that being part of your, your strategy of differentiation? Yeah, Sequoia is a program that, that came out of Fall Creek. Exceptional people you've had on your show, <laughs> Casey. And we have had a, a long history of respect for the, the level of professionalism and, and um, commitment. And so we had uh, early on, we have been drawn to what, you know, Sequoia meant, which was very, very much aligned with our, our vision and our objectives, which was better eating experience product. It's primarily jumbo. It's more consistent product. It's something that we can supply every week of the year. And we are the largest grower and supplier of Sequoia in the market. And together with Berry's Paradise, we have a year-round capability now that is um, much more secure. And I think that as we think about other opportunities that together with Berry's Paradise we're tackling is the summer raspberry shortage, you know, right? There's a, there's a shortage in the market and realizing we're, we're here to talk about blueberries, but that's something we're tackling together. And I think we're also going to tackle organic blueberries together in terms of, again, a better eating experience product. We really are, are not thrilled with the eating experience of a lot of the organic we eat in the market. We want to lead that shift to that better varietal, better eating experience, organic product. What, what is it about the organic eating experience that you recognize that's not working? So I think that, you know, what we see as an opportunity is if we, if we focus on what the consumers want, we develop what the consumers want. It goes beyond a skew. And I think if you look at today, the organic volume, the market, it's largely driven by a skew. And what I mean by that is the skew is an organic skew, right? And we think about it differently. We, we don't just want to produce a blueberry, a commodity blueberry for an organic skew. We want to produce a, a more premium eating experience. Blueberry for the organic skew. It will cost us more. And we will have to make an investment in that, an incremental investment beyond the, the tangible hard investment. But that's the long-term view we have here. Talk a little bit about, you mentioned your investment in the United States here. Uh, you know, there's obviously been a lot of concerns and frustrations that the domestic producers have had with not just the imported product, but where do the genetics work for them to be competitive? And it sounds like you're talking about making investments here where are you placing those bets from your perspective on where to put these new genetics into which regions and for what reason? Yeah. So the, the principal reason that we're doing this is that we want to have the best quality every month of the year. We could, if we wanted to, produce year-round between Peru and Mexico, particularly Peru. What we found, we found that with some of the leading growers here in the U.S., with all the experience that they have after decades, we've identified certain microclimates that align well with these new genetics that should allow us to produce supply with more certainty, with less complexity, and provide an opportunity for, for example, in times when necessary, if necessary, mechanical harvesting. And so this is something that we didn't think we would find interesting, quite honestly. But thanks to the great work, I think, of the folks at Fall Creek and, and, and particularly with the Sequoia varieties, we're seeing a new opportunity. 
So uh, before we let you go, Steve, I, I really want to spend a little time here just talking about your investment in the industry overall. Obviously, you know, we talked a little bit there about your commitment as a signatory to the MOU and the work we're doing there. But, but what opportunities do you see for our organization? As USHBC, we continue to well, we just adopted a new strategic plan. Our new vision is to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. It sounds like that lines up really well with your vision. But I wanted to just talk a little bit about how, how you see AgroVision plugging into this greater community, both globally, obviously here at USHBC as an organization. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we obviously we're a huge supporter. We, we think that if we all pull and kind of row in the same direction, there is only a lifting of the tide and there's a growing of the pie, right? There's so much potential for this product. And we're still only seeing less than what, 50% penetration in the US market, right? And there's no reason why we can't reach the level of strawberries in our minds, which has what, a 90% penetration? Uh, 70, well, I mean, it changes. I don't want to be quoted here too closely, but let's say it's like 77% pushing towards 80. I think that, you know, coming together the way that we have, I think is, uh, is really exciting. There's so much more we can do. There's so much potential from a marketing standpoint, Casey. We haven't really gotten into the marketing of this product in the way that I think is possible for the future. And now that we have the products to work with, the varietals to work with that express themselves in different ways, right? Whether it's a crunch that's outstanding and out of the norm and out of, out of the ordinary, or whether it's a flavor, right? An aromatic flavor, or whether it's a, a sweetness. And you're starting to see a little bit being done, just a little bit. And I, we think there's much more that can be done. Yeah. And, and in that way, the little bit, I mean, much more could be done, could start to lead down marketing by variety. Do you have a, a vision of that? Or do you have a point of view on if that's going to happen, when that's going to happen? I mean, we've got, you know, Obviously, you mentioned Sequoia. There's the sweetest batch. There's berry blue. There's a number of you know jumbo. There's a number of kind of generic terms to represent a class of blueberries, so to speak. But where is this going? Yeah, we we don't see it so much by variety. We think that's that's too confusing and that's too limiting. We think that the way to do this in a consistent way, 52 weeks of the year, to deliver that kind of consumer experience is by trait. So let's build on the jumbo. I think we've already seen jumbo. I think most retailers that, are, that don't already have that skew are quickly catching up that that's a skew that consumers like. But like I said before, I think we should be seeing other skews. I think you just referenced the, um, the sweetest batch. That's a great product for a, for a sweet skew. I think that there's a potential for flavor, potential for other traits that we see being expressed you know, different types of flavors in particular, aromatics. And so without trying to do too much at once, we really need to see what can we roll out 52 weeks of the year with, with supply and focus on one thing at a time. And that's why I think we, and probably the industry, we need to work together and something that we're really working closely with our, our breeding partners and our retail partners to think through and how we, how we best do that. Well, and talk a little bit from what you think we can best do to serve uh, companies like yours or the industry from your perspective. I mean, obviously, our foundation has been built on a health halo and the research that our organization does to continue to perpetuate that. 
that message, that, that understanding the science behind what makes blueberries just this incredible piece of fruit. But from your perspective, you know, what more can we be doing or what, where do we need to be focusing our time as an organization and as an industry? What would you be thinking is the direction either we're heading or we need to be thinking about going into the future? Yeah, great question. You know, we could go a while <laughs> on that one. The, the, the health benefits are obviously enormous. And the question is, you know, we're seeing that it's already kind of played a role in certain types of cancer natural therapy, right? Um, we could go on and on in terms of, you know, cognition, cognitive benefits. And the question really is what kind of makes the most sense? How do we get this message out there around the health benefits? And then how do we make the better eating experience something that, that can reach more consumers? And how do we combine all these? How do we bring all these together? How do we bring together the marketing, the health messaging, and the eating experience you know, in a consistent, continuous way at some level of scale that's sufficient for the consumers to find the product you know, every week in the store? That's right. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, and, and I appreciate this time today. You know, I think it's been a great opportunity for people who may have, may have heard of AgriVision, but didn't know who Steve was, who maybe didn't know who AgriVision was, but to take this time today and just kind of uh, sit down with you and hear your thoughts, your vision, kind of pick your brain about where the future is going. Of course, I share that enthusiasm that you have for where, where the blueberry industry has yet to go. And it's exciting. And I think working with companies like yours, and certainly, you know, we've got this this organization and a, and a massive effort underfoot to try and continue to lead out on making blueberries the world's favorite fruit. And driving that demand globally is a big piece of that. So it's been great. It's been great to kind of get your thoughts. And, and yeah, best wishes. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Well, that's it for episode 115. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.